Good morning. Want to welcome each of you, especially visitors, for coming this morning. It's a, a blessing to see so many of you here. <clears throat> um, I know there's at least a few regulars that aren't here. Some of you were probably expecting John to preach. He's on schedule, but he was asked to go up to Buffalo Valley this morning, so he's uh, preaching up there. I think they had some for youth uh, weekend or meeting or something like that, so that's why he's not here. So thank you all for coming. During uh, children's lesson, a brother came up to me back there and said, uh, how come did you have two people on for children's lesson this morning? And I searched the back of my mind, the front of my mind, the top of my mind, and the bottom of my mind, and I came up with no excuse, as much as I would have liked one, other than, uh, I guess I won't make any. <clears throat> Thank you for the challenge so far that we had here this morning. We appreciate that a lot. <clears throat> Why don't we stand, if you don't mind, one more time, and we'll just uh, pray together again. Father in heaven, we recognize this morning that you are a good God to us. We recognize, Lord, that it's by your mercies that once again we have the privilege of living in a land of much freedom, freedom to worship you freedom to proclaim you and your word, even though, Lord, we realize it's eroding on us and it's disappearing and someday our experience could be different. But, Father, help us as we live our lives here to take advantage of the many blessings that we currently are receiving. And thank you, Lord, today that we can get together again to give you your rightful place and to worship you. And I pray, Lord, that You would just bless us again this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would multiply the loaves and fishes with the feeble attempts that I make to share uh, the things that you, I feel, laid on my heart. And I pray you'd bless this flock, Lord. I pray that our hearts could be uh, encouraged, instructed, edified, lifted up, challenged, even convicted where needed. Father, as we look to you. So I pray, Lord, that you would remove the distractions from our minds, the distractions from my own mind, Lord, so that we can focus this morning where we ought to be focused, and that's turn our hearts heavenward. Thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate the resurrection and life in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the provisions that you made, and I pray, Lord, that this Lord's Day uh, could be a time of that kind of an edification. Bless those that aren't here this morning. For various reasons, uh, we pray for John's as they share up in Buffalo Valley. Bless them. And also bless our visitors, Lord, that are here today. Thank you for them. And I pray that we too, all of us together, could have our hearts encouraged as we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As... Uh, <clears throat> Most of you, probably some of you at least, know that in the days past, at least for quite a number of years of my life, I delivered produce um, to uh, either New York City or Washington, D.C. city. Therefore, I got up many early mornings and headed off to the city and made numerous deliveries, and that's what I did. And it was uh, something that has been noteworthy to me over the years. I got into a lot of very health food-minded stores. In fact, the stores that I delivered produce to in New York City had a lot of unique names, anything from healthy pleasures to health nuts to health and harmony. I'm trying to think what all the names of some of those places were, but that's where I delivered produce to early in the morning. 
And it was fairly common to me. I'd, I'd get up there oftentimes early morning when it was still dark and driving up some of the avenues up through Manhattan or whether it was in Washington, D.C., you know, things were pretty dark. But oftentimes I'd see up ahead, I'd see a light on. As I'd go past, it was often passing a fitness center. And there was people in there running, jumping, hopping, somersaults, whatever all they do, getting their fitness early in the morning. And it was fairly common to me, uh, it was always interesting to me that I could, after about a three-hour ride, I could crawl out of the truck all stiff and sore and whatever I'll have you and needing some good exercise. And there in Manhattan, things are known to be expensive, but it was always interesting to me that those little coffee shops on the corner where they would push them out like a wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow style and set it up, that at least then it was, I say back in those days, it sounds like I'm being old, but this was uh, probably seven or eight years ago, I could actually buy a coffee on the, on the corner store for 50 cents and a bagel for 50 cents. For, so for a dollar, I could get my breakfast. And I felt pretty good about my... Earl cringe when he saw the breakfast. I may have eaten an apple on the way up, I'm not sure. But nonetheless, that was, that was interesting to me. I'd get out and I'd, I'd get my little coffee there and my bagel, and then I would be set to make my deliveries for the day. Well... Going into these kind of health and harmony and healthy pleasures and all those stores, it was also interesting to me, and I watched it many times. A lot of those were COD deliveries, so I'd end up going to the cashier to get a check before I'd go on my way again. And I'd see people standing there in line, some of them early mornings coming from the fitness center, and they would stand there at the counter, and they would say everything that they want. They want some spinach. They want some kale. They want some ginger. And whatever all the dark green vegetables are, the healthy ones, they would pick out the selection of what they wanted and, and the lady behind the counter would get it and put it in a blender and, and mix it all up and they would leave with their smoothie, uh, fruit, drink, whatever you want to call it and they would go on their way. They were set for the morning. However, they would usually, as I noticed, they would let anywhere from a six to ten dollars lay on the counter for their drink and off they would go and I thought, well, hmm. I'm getting by for a dollar. I got my breakfast, uh, and, and they would end up spending that kind of money for their uh, drink, and away they would go. I'd like for us just to think about that as a means of introduction here this morning as we think about having a healthy body. That's where their focus and their attention was, correct? And I'm not going to talk about having those kind of healthy bodies here this morning, I think some of us, probably myself, could benefit by being a bit more health conscious than I am. I will say that, and then I'm going to leave that subject behind. However, Paul did say in 1 Timothy 4.8, he says, Body exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable in all things, having a promise of life that now is and that which is to come. So he acknowledges there that, yeah, there is some benefit from that, and we probably ought to be a bit more health conscious, I think, as Americans than what we are. However, there is another type of body health that we ought to be a whole lot more interested in, I think, in in what the physical body is. So that gives you a little bit of an idea where I'm going this morning. And I would have to say that my thoughts, just to give you a little bit of an idea of what I'm thinking this morning, uh, uh, what my thoughts have been this week, as most of you know, we, and I guess I should share this also for the visitor's sake, we as a brotherhood are trying to come up with a... um, uh, a plan here, uh, especially for the brothers and the young men, that we would have a accountability groups where we as men would be accountable to each other in small groups, small group effort to do that. And this morning or this week, I've had my thoughts going that way a good bit, so I'm going to springboard kind of into the message with those thoughts in mind. 
I wasn't sure what I wanted to title it this morning. I was, I'm not, as most of you know, I'm not real thrilled always about titles. Sometimes it, I struggle a little bit to know what to call it. And I, I had in mind a little bit what I could call it this morning. However, we were on our way to church here this morning and my wife reached over and got a hold of my hand and said, I will pray for you. And she prayed for us. She prayed for us as a congregation that our hearts would be knit together in love. She included that in her prayer, and that was noteworthy to me. It was even a blessing to me because I was thinking this morning I could call the message uh, something about our hearts knit together in love. So that was kind of an affirmation to me that was a blessing for whatever it's worth this morning. Having our hearts knit together in love. You know, I think it's essentially important in the day and the age and the generation that we live in that we have and are experiencing all that God intends for us in the sense of having our hearts knit together like that in love, in fellowship life, especially considering the day and the age and the generation we live in. Now, I was even thinking, I was just sitting there this morning, I'm not even sure whose idea it was that we started the accountability groups. It might have been mine, I don't even remember, and that is maybe a lame excuse, uh, Eldon. Whether it was mine or not, I'm not necessarily giving this this morning with all kind of a punch that I think this accountability thing is the way to go and this is going to be the success and this is what's going to be to, to draw the congregation together. You know, I don't think we should have to necessarily put a plan in place that we have this kind of accountability group so that we can have the kind of church that we ought to have. But I believe it can be a means to that end. So I want us to understand that this morning. Um, that yes, my thoughts and my mind is gone towards that a bit, and I hope as we wrap it up here to maybe give some pointers and some things that we can consider that will make this attempt and this effort as far as having accountability more successful and hopefully make us a closer net fellowship slash congregation. Accountability. Another word would be responsibility. What is our responsibility? And you know, this morning I would also, before we get into it too much here, like to consider when we think of this whole idea of accountability, oftentimes our minds will go to, you know, okay, we need to have accountability. I I can have a couple of brothers around me that I that can ask me questions, that I can be accountable to these brothers, and, and it will help me along with my personal walk with God, my responsibility before God, and that is part of it. But as we go along here this morning, I'd like for us also to consider that not only do I need that kind of accountability from my brothers, it's also very healthy, and I believe it's the will of God, that we would also recognize it as not only my responsibility for my own need, but my responsibility for my brother's sake. And in that, I believe we can really experience the blessing of God the way he has it intended to be. And I'd like... For us, as I already mentioned, you know, yes, we live in a day, I believe, of great temptation and all those kind of things. And we think about that. I I know many of us have as we think about the whole accountability subject. We do live in a great day of a day of great temptation. But also with the blessings that we have with our advanced technology, we also live in a day of great opportunity. And I would somehow like. For us to be thinking about those those two things together, you know, it's not only the idea that, you know, we just really need to be on our guard these days with all the opportunities, the, the, the advanced technology and all that as much as we do. But we also, I'd like for us to recognize this morning that we do also live in a day of great opportunity. And I'd like for us to be thinking about those things this morning. And I'd like for us also to be considering that I believe... 
I believe in good, healthy fellowship body life. I think it's it's uh, God's will that we uh, are together. Our, our body edifies itself in love. I had to think, you know, as I was thinking about this, I had to think about First John. Most of us know that First John talks uh, a lot there about fellowship, you know, having that koinonia, that fellowship. And I believe that fellowship really comes when souls, first of all, are connected with God, the head. And we realize that without that, we really don't have anything. But I believe when we have body, good, healthy fellowship life where we are connected to the head and we also have that connection with our brothers, I think that's God's design and God's will for us as a church together to have that kind of a connection. So this morning, that's what I'd like to talk about, that healthy blending together. Now, I realize, and I'll identify that, I realize that I think there is even some a bit of reluctancy here in this fellowship is is this whole idea of having a, I hear there's a little bit of ripplings that way and I'm perfectly fine with that I want you to understand that is perfectly okay for some people to be raising the question is this actually a necessary thing is this a necessary thing that we would go to that extreme having small accountability groups or is this just some sort of a modern idea a good idea a thing that'll come and go and and, and, and it'll be gone again. Is it a biblical idea? Or is it just another thing that I need to fit in my already busy schedule? We raise those kind of questions. Some may feel like, well, why is it important if we ultimately are accountable to God and someday we're all going to stand before the God of heaven and give an account to God for the things we do? What What is the importance of having this accountability thing with a brother? We can raise those kind of questions. And I realize that, and they're, they're legitimate, I think, questions to raise. I, uh, I'm sensing a bit of reluctancy uh, in our congregation and whether it's a necessary thing. I also have been asking some questions around. I said to one brother, I said on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being your greatest desire and this is just a, a thing that we ought to do and a 1 being, well, it's just not a very necessary thing. Where do you, how, how do you deem this thing? He says, I'm a 12 immediately. He, he, he's all for it. So I recognize that there's different, different, uh, there, there's, there's different, um, Oh, I don't know if it has to do with our personalities and all those kind of things, how much we actually would value something like this. So this morning, I don't want us to just primarily be stuck on the whole idea of of the accountability thing. I don't want it to be my hobby horse here this morning, if you want to call it that. But I do, uh, my goal would be that somehow having that kind of a close-knit fellowship connection uh, could be a means of, yes, knitting us together. And maybe I'll just turn to the passage, you can turn there if you want, in Colossians, where it actually, um, Paul actually refers to it as such. Colossians chapter 2, I think it is. He talks about it here in verse 2, and then in 19, I think it is. Yes, verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all riches of full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. So there we have the having our hearts knit together in love, and he's referring to the church there. And then down through in verse 19, he says it again, and not beholding, and not beholding the head from which all the body by joints and bands have nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. 
So there we see the necessity of, of having that personal connection with the head, which is Christ, which is our first and primary responsibility. But then also apart from that, having this whole fellowship idea of having our hearts knit together. And uh, so, so there we have that there. Uh, you can turn to the book of Galatians now. And that's where I would like to draw my um, main text from here this morning. Maybe I'll share just a few things before I get there. You know, maybe I would just talk a little bit about we as men. We as men being the leaders. You know, sometimes I wonder if we as men really understand the responsibility, the calling, the necessity of us being the leaders that God calls us to be for good, healthy, congregational life. You know, this morning I appreciated the devotional that Eldon had shared. We talked about excuses. You know, I believe we men can very easily make excuses and many times find ourselves making excuses to justify some of the things that we neglect in our personal lives. I think we, we tend to do that. I tend to do that. So I think that's a means and a reason as to why I feel it's good to have that connection as brothers, having a, a group of brothers around us for the day and the time that we live in. Having that kind of a connection. Galatians chapter 6 is where we want to look at this morning. But maybe before we do that, I'd just like to refer to Proverbs 19.18. And I'd like to just think a little bit this morning about the idea and the subject of having vision. Do we have a vision in our personal lives, in our lives here as a congregation to build the kingdom of God? And the reason I'm bringing the subject of vision up here this morning as we think about this kind of thing, you know, if our perspective is, you know, well, I realize it's important that I have moral purity in my life. I realize that it's important for the sake of my wife and I having a good relationship in our marriage. If I realize, if I feel like it's good that I have a good connection with my children because it just makes for good family life, if I have good connection with my children, um, I want to raise a family so that when I become an old man, I'll have my family around us and all those kind of motives, you know, and, and, and you know, there's a whole host of things. Maybe we want to be a good businessman, have a good business, and for good business practices and so forth, it's good that I live a, a life of integrity so I can do that. You know, we can... We can have a longing and a desire. Maybe we just want to have a good, long, good, you know, a church life experience here where we have a comfortable church that we can worship God in. And, you know, we can have a lot of those kind of motives and goals in life, you know, as a means of we want to have this accountability thing. But, you know, a lot of that can be for a selfish motive. And I'd like for us this morning to, to, to riddle us a bit and shake us a bit and, and question our own hearts a bit. What is our vision for life? Do we have a vision for the kingdom of God? Do we have a vision for the kingdom of God in our children? 
and, and, and to have our minds stretched a bit to burn with that kind of a passion that we realize the necessity of us. Now, I'm talking, and I don't want to leave the wimp, this side of the room in the dust this morning. I realize talking about accountability and things, I'm focusing more attention over on this side. But I really believe it's the will of God. And what I'd like to impart to us this morning is, brothers, to lift up our eyes and realize the necessity of having a vision for our our own personal life, our own devotional life, our own personal walk with the Lord, so that I can have a home that functions the way God wants it to function, so that I can have a marriage that functions functions the way God wants it to function, with more than just a selfish vision, so that I can have what I want in my family life. Do we have a vision this morning of what God can do with our families, with our children, for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the future, it was uh, Tim when he was winding down his message the other Sunday when he talked about, he gave some Gary Miller quotes and the one that stuck with me the most was, what if the church really had that intent, vision and passion to be the holy people of God but also be able to be relevant with meeting the people where they're at for the sake of the gospel and those kind of things. And this morning, I'd just like to stretch us in fact, I'll tell you why some of this vision and burden came. We had our mission committee meeting uh, this week. And we talked about various interests that we have here in this fellowship. And I'm not going to make na- mention names to make anybody squirm, but we talked about some names in our mission committee meeting. Can I say that, Brother Tim? With the goal and intent that we know we have a certain amount of individuals here that have a vision for the mission field or for ministry here or for ministry over there. And what are we going to do about that as a church? What are we going to do about that as a church? Are we going to be comfortable in the coming days and years to to uh, have our things in place, have our ducks in a row, and maybe even having them quacking so that we can have the kind of church, healthy atmosphere that we can all come and be encouraged and go home again to our houses and just be satisfied having that? Or do we actually have a vision? for the kingdom of God and for seeing our children someday go out here or go over there? Or is it just to build our businesses and be settled here? And I'd like to, us this morning, as we think about that, you know, we think, well, what does that have to do with accountability? I'm going to suggest it has everything to do with accountability because if we want to generate in this generation, in this this society, in the, as we know, Second Timothy says, the perilous day that we live in, And I want to look at it a little bit later, how I believe the Apostle Paul, he burned with a passion when the kingdom of God came and the gospel came. He burned with that passion for the gospel for the sake of souls. And my desire is this morning that we would recognize the necessity of having the kind of homes, having the kind of marriages, having the kind of integrity in the hearts and the lives of men who are the leaders so that we can generate out of this fellowship to be that church that is the pure church, that is the holy church, but also the church that is able to send souls out and impact the world in this day and generation that we live in. So that's the kind of vision this morning that I would like to instill in our hearts. And think about the vision. I believe the vision that we need. And I believe I'd like to I'd like to just say, you know, I talked about homes, ministries, missions and those kind of things. And I'd like for us to as men to realize this morning, if we're going to actually have that, if we're going to generate that, I believe we're going to have to be intentional. Those things won't just happen. 
I think we'd agree with that. Is that right? These things won't just happen. We need to be men that are intentional doing these kind of things. And I think we're going to have to be that as we think of accountability. We want to talk more about some of that as we go on here a little bit later. Integrity. Integrity as leaders. Men as leaders to our wives, to our children. Meeting their physical needs, their emotional needs, and their spiritual needs. You know, those are all very important elements of home life. And I believe, depending on where we're at as brothers with our own personal needs before God, whether we are living an open, honest life is going to determine how we relate to our families, how we have the ability to relate to our families. And that's part of the reason this morning where I'm excited if we actually can bring our congregation to a place. You know, I would guess this morning if I would ask the question, and I'm not going to do that, if we would all be serious and honest, if there's areas in our lives where we are actually discouraged or frustrated or struggling that nobody knows about. And I believe if we were really honest with ourselves, a lot of hands would go up this morning. I really believe it would. And I think it's just really a blessing if we can get to a place where we can have that kind of openness and we can pray for each other. I'm getting ahead of myself. We want to get into some of that a little bit later. I think it can be uh, important for us here as we think of good, healthy, congregational life. All right, Galatians 6. I think you're most likely there. Um, We're going to read verses 1 through 10 and then uh, talk about various things and go a few other places also. However... Galatians chapter 6, here is where I am going to really get most of what we want to share out of here this morning. As we think now about this whole subject of openness and accountability and so forth. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something... When he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth all good in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to them who are of the household of faith. Maybe I'll just... Bearing one another's burdens here this morning is what it talks about. You know, it talks in here about, it gives it, you probably caught it, it talks about we are to bear one another's burdens, and then about two verses later, it says every man shall bear his own burden. And I think if we can somehow articulate this right, I think those two work together well. First of all, we recognize in this passage that I think it's important, if it's it's of utmost important that all of us, and this is very foundational to the Christian life, we recognize that we all have a personal responsibility before the God of heaven to answer for what I did in my life or the things that I cover up in my life or the things that I struggle in life. We all recognize and we see that in this scripture here. We have a personal responsibility before God. Therefore, we talk about accountability, the importance of accountability, recognizing that every one of us one day 
is going to answer before God for that. We recognize that. But then we also realize in this passage of Scripture that we also all have a commitment and a personal responsibility for our brother, for our brother's sake. And I think it's very healthy for congregational life and for us this morning to recognize that responsibility that I have. So I'd like to just focus a little bit this morning, first of all, on our personal responsibility, as I already said. We recognize that the day will come where we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for what we have done. And we see that here in verse 4 and 5. It says, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. I copied it out here in NIV. It says it a little bit more clearly. It says, Each one should test his own actions. That's personal responsibility. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each shall carry his own load. You know, many times I believe we also recognize that we can justify ourselves. Eldon talked this morning about excuses. You know, we can justify ourselves or we can excuse ourselves for some of our behavior, some of the things we do, some of the neglected areas in our lives where we ought to be paying close, focused attention on, we can excuse them by saying, well, everybody has a struggle like this or like that or the other thing. But when I envision accountability groups, I envision where we have a couple of brothers that can get together and just be as real with each other as we ought to be real. And where we have personal struggles that we can just share them as personal struggles and we can pray one for another and have our hearts encouraged in that way. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. We dare not compare ourselves among ourselves, but recognize our standing before God. Uh, Galatians 6, uh, verse 7 and 8 here, it says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You know, here we have a truth that God says it right here in God's Word that is and it stands and it will not change. We have it right here in these few verses. And that is, if we live our lives and we sow to the flesh, and we live our lives, and you know, men, if we're honest with ourselves, you know, later on in the Scripture it says, let us not go grow weary and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, as men, sometimes we, we, we grow weary in well-doing and we become lax and we begin lacking our responsibility. You know, the easiest thing to do is go the path of non-resistance and the path of, of least, least resistance. And the path of least resistance is it any different than sowing to the flesh. Whether the flesh would rather go this way. Yes, I know I ought to go that way. I really ought to. I ought to go the narrow way. I ought to go the hard way. But you know, many, many times the easiest thing to do is go the path of least resistance, which I believe is the way of the flesh. And here it makes it so clear to us this morning. We go the way of the flesh. It's the way of corruption. But then it says if we sow to the Spirit, we will, we will, we will reap life everlasting. That's another promise that we have in the Word of God. So do the Spirit, and we will receive life everlasting. And we say, what a contrast. Talking about our responsibility before God. These are uh, truth that will stand and will stand the test of time. And it's our, it's our decision to make if we want to reap corruption or life everlasting. Where do we find ourselves this morning? I would like to, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, 
But I feel like because of the subject, I'd like to talk just a little bit about stewardship of our lives. Just to, to jog our thinking in our minds a little bit as we think of this subject of accountability. I have different things I could go, but maybe I'll just allude to it here this morning a little bit. The subject of accountability, uh, stewardship of our personal lives. What is biblical stewardship? I found this here. I'm just going to read it. The management of another person's property, finances, household affairs, as far as Christians are concerned, concerned, Stewardship involves the responsibility of managing God's work through the church. God has appointed all Christians to be his stewards on earth. Stewardship is not an option. And as we heard this morning about the, the, uh, the, the, the well-known uh, account in Scripture that talks about stewards, and we had the one that was given one talent and he made an excuse, which was not acceptable to God. But, you know, we, in all reality, we're all stewards of our own personal lives. We're stewards to, to realize this life that God give us is not our own. If we name the name of Christ and we confess Him as Lord of our lives, it's not our own life anymore. We are just stewards of the things that God has given us. The whole subject of stewardship, and I think, is good for us to consider this morning as we think of this whole subject of accountability and being accountable and we have various scriptures that we could turn to. I think for a lack of time, I'm going to just kind of skip over them. I alluded to the one already where uh, the talents were given out and, 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 and the importance of being a good steward there of what God has given. Uh, maybe because I talked a little bit about vision, I'll just turn to the one in Colossians chapter 1. You can turn there. Just keep your finger there in Galatians. Uh, we'll come back to it again. But Colossians here, talking about stewardship of the gospel, and I would just really like us to, to, to lift up our vision above just being satisfied here with the things that, you know, uh, of our little secluded life in this corner of the world, but that we could be just riddled a little bit here this morning to have a vision of what God can do with a people, with a church, who has a desire and a vision and burns with the heartbeat that our brother Paul did here in Colossians. Verse 24, I'll begin reading at. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind in the afflictions. He was sacrificing afflictions for Christ in my flesh and for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hidden from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we, re- whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus." Whereunto I am a laborer, striving according to his work, which worketh in me mightily. So if we can just pick up the heartbeat of the Apostle Paul here, just burning with this mystery of Christ, this so great a salvation. And if somehow we can, we can recognize that need uh, uh, and that kind of a vision in our hearts uh, as a fellowship and as in a church and recognize that if we actually are going to need that, I think it's very important that we men uh, catch a heart to be real with God and real with our brothers. Responsibility. Talking about responsibility here this morning. 
All right, let's go back to Galatians chapter 6 again. And I'd like to, uh, for us this morning to talk a bit now about the whole idea of the responsibility to my brother. You know, I, maybe I'll just say it this way. I, I believe that it is, and we can have a tendency, especially in the plain community, as much as we appreciate it, as much as we want it, you know, we can also, I, I say, say it from time to time, I say it to my children, you know, it can actually make us a bit of a selfish person, focusing so much time and energy on ourselves. But let's look here at Galatians 6. It says here, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ." For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. So here we have a situation where we have a man who's taken in a fault. And we can raise the question, what is my responsibility to that brother who's taken in a fault? Well, it says here in this passage that what really is an indicator of what our spirituality is, is what we'll do with that man that's taken in a fault, and that is we'll restore him in the spirit of meekness, considering ourselves, lest we also be tempted. I was going to read chapter 5, it's right across the page in my Bible, uh, chapter 5 there, 13 and 14, says it this way, For brethren, ye have been called to liberty, only, not you, only use not this liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So there we see our responsibility uh, to our brother. And it says in verse 2 that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And when we think of the law of Christ, what is the law of Christ? I have several scriptures here. So what is the law of the, the, what is the, uh, the law of Christ? You know, it says in bearing one another's burdens, we're actually fulfilling the law of Christ. James 2.8 says, If you fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. First uh, John 2.8-11, Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even till now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. He that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness, darkness hath blinded his eyes. First John 4.21, And a new commandment we have from him, he that loveth God, loveth his brother also. So the whole idea, what I'm looking at here is, is in verse 2 it says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And we're talking here about not only our own personal responsibility when we think of accountability, but we're thinking about the whole idea of bearing one another's burdens and serving one another. And a brother is overtaken in a fault that we would restore him in the spirit of meekness, as we read here. You know, and what we're talking about here really is a a uh, experience in church life that goes far beyond my own needs. Goes far beyond my own needs, but recognizes our responsibility to our brother. 
recognizes, and, and that is really my intent when I think of having accountability groups, a group of brothers, and I, and I really believe that it ought to be happening on both sides of the fellowship here this morning, where we have that kind of a heart, that kind of a love, that kind of a commitment to one another that we bear one another's burdens. That we bear one another's burdens. We carry one another's loads. We're concerned for what our brother is dealing with. We're concerned for what our sister or our brother is dealing with. Where we can come along and if there is a brother that, that has a deep struggle, and many of us do, we have deep struggles where we're comfortable just taking that lid off of that thing and creating a safe environment where we can actually carry one another's burdens. And as it says here, we ought to have that heart's desire for restoration in a spirit of meekness, considering ourselves, lest we also be tempted. Recognizing our vulnerability here before God, that we're all vulnerable. But in so doing, when we have that kind of a connection, that kind of a tender care and heart's concern for our brothers in brotherhood life and having that kind of a connection, we're actually fulfilling the law of Christ here. And I believe that's when, you know, that's where, that's where God, I believe, will really bless that kind of a heart, that kind of a commitment in brotherhood life, one to another, where we carry one another's burdens and we, we care about one another. You know, there's a scripture here where, where much is given, much is required. And I'd like to go down just another little bit of a vein this morning here to jog our thinking a little bit when we think of having that kind of a care and that kind of a commitment for our brother and to our brother. And I'd like to just read the account in Luke 16. You can turn there. And this is a very familiar account to us this morning. It's an account many times that's used to jog our thinking. Uh... A very familiar account, Luke 16. The account here of the rich man and Lazarus. And, and what I'm thinking about here, I'm still thinking and talking. Uh, my, my thought right now continues to be our responsibility to my brother. My responsibility for the well-being of my brother. Okay? And we're talking about our accountability groups, of course, and all of that. But I'd like to just Look at this passage a little bit to jog our thinking a little bit here with the rich man and Lazarus. And I think I'm just going to go ahead and read the account and then make a few comments. There was a, okay, Luke chapter 16 and verse 19 if you're there. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass the beggar died, and that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abram's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in cold water. In water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember thou in thy lifetime, receive his good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he's comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from thence cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that, they, that he may testify unto him, lest they also come to this place of torment. 
Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear him. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. I'd like to raise the question here this morning. What do we know about the rich man? What do we know about this rich man? This is actually what we had for family devotions last night. I asked the children that question. What do we know about, when I say what do we know about the rich man, what do we know about the life of this rich man that went to a place of torment? We have here in this passage the beggar who went to a state of bliss, whether it was actually heaven or not. He went to a state of bliss. And we have the the rich man who simply died. And went to a place of torment. And you know, as we looked at this passage of scripture last evening, you know, basically it's verse 19 is all that we really have as an indication of how this rich man lived his life. In verse 19, it says there was a certain rich man. We know just several things. We know that he was, he was clothed in purple and fine linen. You know, sometimes in church life we harbor on clothing. Here, this is all we know about the rich man. He was clothed. He was clothed in fine clothing. And the Bible says he fared sumptuously every day. And then later on, where, where Abraham responds back to him, we have another little bit of a window into his life. And that was, he said, we know that in life you received good things. And that's all that we really know about the rich man. And I'm going to suggest to you here this morning, and I, and I raised that question to my children last night. I said, children, why did the rich man go to a place of torment. What, what was wrong with this man's life that he went to a place of torment? And, you know, the only thing we can really conclude, I mean, I think we could probably come up with different things, but, you know, in all reality, as we understand this account, he simply lived a careless life. He had many, many blessings. He lived a careless life. And he had a beggar laying there at his feet, desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table, and he did nothing about it. He did nothing about it. What is our responsibility to our neighbor? You know, it's just, I just had to consider, you know, and, and you know what? As I was pondering this subject of this rich man, you know, do you think he would have felt comfortable in our church? Just to jog our thinking a little bit. Would have he actually felt comfortable in our community, we could raise the question. I don't know. But I believe he lived a careless life and he had the beggar laying there at his feet full of sores. And we know he did nothing about it. I'd like to give another comparison and we're still talking here about what is my responsibility to my brother. Another account in scripture that amazes me when I read over and you can turn there. It's in Genesis. Genesis chapter 14. We have another very interesting account of, I believe, a brother... We could call it that in Genesis 14. And we have here in Genesis 14 the account of Abraham and Lot. And as we know that, you know, Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom and he had that bent towards Sodom. Or we could say he had that bent toward the world and he eventually ended up there in Sodom. And we have Abraham over here. And there's, a, a you know, quite a things, number of things transpire here. But here we have in Genesis 14 verses 14 through 16. It says, and in the beginning of 14 there, it talks about how these numerous kings came in and together and they came into Sodom and they uh, took over Sodom and carried away Lot and all that he had. 
And it says in verse 14 here, When Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them to Dan, and divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hoboth, which is on the left of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and brought back his brother Lot and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And I'd like for us this morning to raise the question, how do we respond to a brother who is overtaken in a fault, or a brother that has a particular struggle in some area? Here we have Lot, you know, uh, Abraham. And you know, very disappointed probably with the choices that Lot was making, and, and Lot finally ended up there he was, and here we have this kind of thing befalls Lot. What would my attitude be towards my nephew, could I say it that way, who is taken up in something like this and just let him go. But isn't it interesting here, Abraham gets his 318, it says, trained servants, born in his own house, and I believe risks his life, endangered, and all those kind of things that went with it to rescue Lot. And I guess I'd just like to say that, is that the kind of heart that I have where I have that kind of a heartfelt connection with my brother, with our church family here, that we want to see uh, people rescued that are ensnared and those kind of things. I'd like to just talk, you can go back to uh, Galatians chapter 6 again, I'd like to talk just a little bit yet uh, as it relates here to this subject about attitude, about attitude towards my brother who is in need. It was just the other day here, I think we had a message about, a devotional message about humility and pride and the need to have humility. And I see this coming out here, and I think it's very important that we have that in our accountability groups, that the right kind of attitude here in verse 1 where it says to restore him in the spirit of meekness. Uh, considering ourselves, lest we also be tempted. You know, it's so easy to come across to a brother who is struggling with a negative kind of attitude and shut things up. Rather than having that kind of a meek attitude as it talks here, or that kind of a humble attitude where we realize it could be me. And you know, it's very easy for us to relate in a negative way to a struggling situation. You know, I'll I tell you something that happened to me this week that the Lord immediately smote me after it happened. I was winding across a back road and, of course, not going so fast because of the conditions. And here I had this car that came flying around me on my left side. And it was right going past a restaurant down in Quarryville. And here there was a vehicle coming out of the restaurant parking lot making a right turn. And at the last minute as he was pulling out, he saw what was happening. He whipped his wheel and went right back in the parking lot to avoid a head-on crash. And something rose up in me. That driver, that was so wrong of him. He shouldn't have done that. And we went down the road just a short way and I came to a red light. I pulled the parking brake, I jumped out, I went front, I knocked on his window and said, do you, do you actually realize you almost killed somebody back there? God somewhat smote me after I did that. Was that actually a necessary thing to do? Well, I think that fellow probably realized he almost killed somebody. In fact, he said he did. But, you know, it's that kind of an attitude that we can relate with with a brother or sister that makes a mistake. Or we can relate in the spirit of meekness, considering ourselves, lest we're also tempted. That's what we're talking here this morning. 
a brother that's taken in the fall. What is my attitude towards a brother who's struggling? Attitude is so important, I think. Having a right kind of an attitude as we think of accountability and brothers and sisters sharing together. So who needs accountability? Well, I would just like to share with us this morning. There's a verse in John 16:33 that says, These things have I spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Talking now about the necessity of going out of the way to actually have accountability. You know, I believe in this world, as the scripture says here, we shall have tribulation. And that word tribulation there actually means pressure. I believe in the day and age and generation that we live in, we have a tremendous amount of pressure. I don't know what it was like 30 years ago. Well, yeah, I do 30 years ago. 50 years ago, 60 years ago. You know, in history past, I'm, every generation had their things that they battled with. But I believe that we have things that we battle with in this day and age and, and generation, a heightened pressure on the lives of us men. You know, technology brings with it the ability for businesses to be a whole lot more productive. I, I think that's the way it is. With, with all those kind of things. And, you know, when we think of, of keeping up with things economically, uh, it causes us and puts pressure on us. Uh, I don't know if, if uh, we as men end up having to work more hours to, to pay our taxes, to, to provide for our families and all kinds of things. You know, we have that kind of intense pressure put on us as men to be productive, to work long hours, to put a lot of time in, and those kind of things. They they bombard us in this day and age and generation. And I would like to say, you know, this morning, one of the easiest things is to do is to take shortcuts in those things that are most important. And I'm talking now about whether or not it's actually necessary to have accountability groups, to have groups where we can sit down as brothers and we can look each other in the eyes and we can say, how is it going? Uh, brother, how is your, tell me about your Bible reading and your prayer life. And where we can be open and honest with each other in our struggles. Because I believe that we live in a day and an age and generation where we have an intense amount of pressure put on us. And it's the easiest thing to do is to cut corners. And you know, I don't know if it's just me, but I do believe that we live in a time and a generation where I believe God's people and I believe that men uh, battle with discouragement possibly more more so. I, I don't know if it is that way or not, but I know that men struggle with discouragement. And I really believe when we begin jeopardizing those important things in our lives, whether it's my Bible reading, my prayer time, begin neglecting my relationship with my wife, it isn't what it should be, I begin neglecting the emotional, physical, spiritual needs of my children, uh, we begin going down that road of, uh, you know, just not being the men of integrity that God calls us to be and those kind of things. It can have a snowballing effect on us as men and eventually lead us into discouragement. I was sharing with a brother the other week that I know what it's like when I have, a, I, usually somewhere in my briefcase or at home on my desk, I have a to-do list. I got this to do and I have this to do and this to do and this to do and I try to evaluate which is the most important to do 
And I try to get that done and get this, this, and I usually have a to-do list. But I also realize those important things on my to-do list, if I begin neglecting those things, and I know this thing really ought to be done over here, but I begin neglecting it, and if I go down that road too far of neglecting the things that ought to be done, it eventually leads us into it. I become discouraged. I, I look at that to-do list, and I, it just isn't getting done, and it bothers me. And I get frustrated, and I get discouraged. It begins discouraging me. And I'd like to say to us as brothers, especially on this side over here, you know, when we begin going down the road of neglecting those important things that we ought to be doing. Maybe it's even uh, a relationship struggle that I have with a brother that I really ought to be putting some focused attention on, but I don't. And I just kind of let it go, and I make excuses for it. We heard excuses this morning. Uh, just very important things like that. You know, many times it's those important areas of our lives that we just, well, because of the high pressure and the high demand, we begin neglecting them. And I think it will be healthy for us as brothers to recognize the importance of having that kind of accountability and realize how essential it is. And I'd just like for us to encourage us this morning, the whole thing of responsibility and the responsibility of my brother, and I know I already alluded to it, but just to reinstate it. You know, I believe this whole thing of bearing one another's burdens and the whole thing of helping a brother along who's overtaken in a, in a fault. And I think many of you probably know what I'm talking about, but I really believe if we seclude ourselves from opening our hearts up to our struggles and we just focus on my personal problem, my personal burden. We all have burdens, right? We all have burdens that we need to carry. We all have those kind of responsibilities. But, you know, if we just simply focus on my little world and my problem and the things that I'm dealing with and my struggles and my this and my that, you know, that in itself can become discouraging. And many times, and I know it's been the testimony of mine and the testimony, I'm sure, of many more in here, Many, many times what we simply need to do is get out of our shell and our little world and our little problem and our little burden and help some other brother carry a burden and we're surprised what happens in our own heart. Is it not that way? Is it not that way? And I'd just like to encourage us this morning, and I realize in a church like this we all have many different personalities. Some of us are very content to just be ourselves and to, uh, you know, I have my personal responsibility, I have my personal things, and, and, and I'm comfortable over here, and this is me, and I'll take care of my problems. I know I have my problems. I'm going to work on my problems, and, and maybe doing okay with our problems. But, you know, this morning I'm going to suggest us sometimes what we just really need is to get out of that little box that we're in and get actively involved in helping somebody carry their burden, their responsibility, in the spirit of meekness, and be amazed what happens in our own hearts. Is that not the truth? And that's what I'm talking about here this morning. And that's what I'd like to give us encouragement in this morning here as a brotherhood as we consider this whole thing of accountability and uh, opening up hearts and sharing together. And I realize that we on this side want to come up with a plan where we have this whole thing arranged and we do it. But I'd also like to give us this encouragement this morning as an entire congregation that if that's where we find ourselves, you know, it's just really a blessing and opening up our hearts and having that kind of warm fellowship where we can share one to another. 
Ecclesiastics, I just refer to this passage. I'm not going to allude a lot to it here. Ecclesiastics is, a, is the, the chapter that we, uh, the book in the Bible that we know about, talks a lot about vanity of vanities. But there in the middle of it says it talks about two being better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if, it's talking about two, if they fall, one will help his fellow. But woe unto him when he is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. The whole concept of being two, and it says here, if two lie together, they have heat. But how is he warm? How can one be warm alone? And I know many times when we look at that, we think about that in a physical sense. But you know, in all reality, we live in a cold world. We live in a cold world. And that whole idea of togetherness and bearing one another's burdens and having a safe environment where we can open our heart and we can share together, not just some sort of a man-help-man program kind of a thing, but where we have that connection with God and where we can be the, the kind of a environment where a brother can open up his heart and not where we come alongside and we just pat him on the back and say, okay, yeah, that's all right. We all have our struggles. You're going to do fine. We all, we all have this area. You know, there, there's a certain amount of reality there. We all do have our struggles, but where we recognize our responsibility before God and the whole idea that I have a brother here that actually cares about me, that is going to help me carry this burden and, and, and take it to God in prayer and those kind of things and find release in those kind of things. That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about here that I trust we can have that kind of environment as far as accountability groups that can be a real blessing here in our fellowship. I'd like to just, in closing here, just talk about a, a few things, go down over them real rapidly here and then we'll close, that can actually assist us in making this whole accountability thing work when it comes to that kind of connection. And that is, I'm going to encourage that if we actually, and we are planning on implementing this thing and hopefully making it work, that we can actually have full participation of everyone. In other words, in order to make an accountability where we have brothers that have that, that open up and share, is going to take full participation of everyone. Where we actually, uh, 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 and, and this is another point that I have here, is creating a safe environment where there's confidentiality where we can actually uh, feel free to open up and share and have a safe place. Another thing here that I'd like to just encourage us with as we think of the whole thing of accountability, and that is being transparent, being open and honest as brothers of where we find ourselves. You know, and and I'm guessing there's probably many times we know what it's like, even at a prayer meeting here, where we come and we actually have a need, but we just can't bring ourselves to be open and be transparent. And my goal would be that if we have that thing established where we have a close kinship and accountability, that we can create a safe place where we can quicker be uh, transparent where we find ourselves. Another thing I have here is that we can just be open and care and pray together. Have that kind of environment is what I'd like to encourage us with here this morning. So I trust this morning by sharing these things that we, uh, as a church, can recognize the, the blessing and the gift that we have to each other to be that kind of a brotherhood that functions like that, that has a safe place that we can share and encourage one another and, and uh, carry each other's burdens together and have a vision beyond just ourself. Have a vision for the kingdom of God and what God can do in a fellowship that has that kind of a love for souls, a love for each other, that kind of an environment. It's all that I have here to share this morning, so I trust that we can be encouraged. Um,
as we look ahead, especially as brothers, as I shared, as we think of this whole subject of accountability. Uh, yeah, may our hearts be encouraged in that direction. God bless you.